0: Today we read Isaiah 41.10, 1 through 10, in preparation for communion. And let us allow these words to speak deeply to us this morning. Yahweh is speaking. Listen to me in silence, O coastlands. Let the people renew their strength. Let them approach, then let them speak. Let us together draw near for judgment. Who has roused a victor from the east, summoned him to his service? He delivers up nations to him and tramples kings underfoot. He makes them like dust with his sword, like driven stubble with his bow. He pursues them and passes on safely, scarcely touching the path with his feet. Who has performed and done this, calling the generations from the beginning? I, the Lord, am first and will be with the last. The coastlands have seen and are afraid. The ends of the earth tremble. They have drawn near and come. Each one helps the other, saying to one another, take courage. The artesian encourages the goldsmith, and the one who smooths with the hammer encourages the one who strikes the anvil, saying of the soldering, it is good. And they fasten it with nails so that it cannot be moved. But you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend, you whom I took from the ends of the earth and called from its farthest corners, saying to you, You are my servant. I have chosen you and not cast you off. Do not fear for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God indeed. In this chapter, we see that God is still speaking to a people who are wondering what is happening and what the outcome will be for the end of their captivity. We see in this chapter an iconic verse many may know and love, but let's see what's happening around that verse first. Chapters 41 through 46 are complex with repeated key themes and a structure that is hard for scholars to decipher. However, what is happening in the beginning of 41 is an imagined court case between Yahweh and the fake gods, the idols, which are revered by the people. You might recall that when we started Isaiah, a case was being made against Judah for all the ways they had rebelled. Now it is the idols that are put on trial. God has spoken and will not fail. The Creator does not exist in a world as an equal participant to anyone. The Creator is not a made-up power. In verse 1, we read how the nations, called the coastlands here, are told to be quiet in God's presence. Just as there is to be a respectful and active listening in a courtroom when a judge is speaking... I got in trouble for that once. I know, big surprise. Yes. I really did. Just as there is to be respectful and active listening in a courtroom when a judge is speaking, there is to be reverence and silence before the Lord. Let the people draw near, God says, to hear what I have to say. Don't hinder those who want to know God. The Lord speaks who will listen who will listen? In verses two through four, we see that there will be a victor, a victorious one from the east. This is believed to be Cyrus from Persia, a king who is rising in authority, who will indeed be triumphant over the enemies of Israel and allow the exiles to go home. From the beginning, God has had a plan. God directs human endeavors. God brings plans to fruition. Every other life form in the universe derives their power and beauty and purpose from him. God has no beginning or end. What is proclaimed will come to be. Verses 5 through 7 show how the nations of the earth see God in action, and they tremble. They do what seems best to them, and they are afraid. They turn to idols, maybe stronger ones in the face of unknown conflict. The people panic, so they spur one another on to fabricate more fake representations of power, hoping that everything will work out. Notice that God is mimicked here, saying, oh, it is good when the idols are complete. We as humans have a way of attributing power and getting our worth from things that aren't able to give us anything. And no matter how much we know that, no matter how much we hear that, no matter how much we read that, we still do it. We feel safe because of what we own. We feel untouchable because of our position. We feel cocooned in our relationships. We lull ourselves to sleep by what numbs our pain. We also give power to what we should not. Verses 8 through 13 reminds Israel that they have been chosen. They don't need to be afraid of Cyrus or anyone else. They will be delivered because the Lord wants to help them. He knows what they need. Now we come to verse 10, and in a recent poll, Verse 10 is the third most shared piece of scripture that people offer to one another for encouragement. We know why. The nature of what is being promised here is for the people in exile, but these words have been cherished since they were spoken for everyone who has the courage to call on the name of God. They speak not just for what we need, but proclaim the willingness of the Lord to meet us in our places of fear, offering us a way out. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be afraid. Other translations say, do not be dismayed, for I am your God. These are not words of a far-off deity, a powerless entity, one who plays cosmic hide and seek. This command To not be afraid is repeated not just in Isaiah, but in all of Scripture. Like a loving parent or teacher or adult reminding a fearful child that they will be taken care of. Everything is going to be okay. God wants Israel and us to know that he can be trusted no matter what. However, some get fearful about the command to not be afraid. Did you ever know anyone like that? I have known people like that. This is a command, pastor, and I'm afraid that if I don't, if I am afraid, then God is going to be mad. And it sounds silly, but it's not. That's a lie to keep us in a place of paralyzing and debilitating angst. God telling us so often to not be afraid is meant to be a balm to our souls. An assurance to our minds that no matter what happens, God will take care of us. We are never abandoned, even though we might feel that way. The exiles must have felt that way. And even when we think God has left us because of painful circumstances or things we have done, we are never alone. And then the promise gets more specific. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. These are words of concrete action, of how God refuses to leave our side, even when we don't want him there. Amen? Yeah. This is a saying that God will not just stay, but will offer us fresh mercy, fresh resources in the battles that we face, who will freely give what is needed, who will not allow us to fail. What we think is failure is so often not failure in God's eyes. God is standing right before us, and this is meant to be a marked contrast to the idol's Who cannot speak or act that the people are furiously making and furiously looking to because they are panicked. Theologian Walter Brueggemann says that these actually are words of salvation. This is the decisive gospel message that God has for the exiles. He also reminds us how these words are spoken at the birth of Jesus and at the resurrection of Jesus. Don't be afraid. This is good news for all people. Jesus is not dead. Jesus is alive. My freshman year of college, I was living at home and going to school and trying to earn some money like all college students. It's not like I needed it, but I wanted it. And there was a couple from my church who both worked, and they needed someone to come clean their house once a week and asked if I could be that person. At that point, that wasn't really my first gift, but I was willing to give it a try. And during that time, it was a really rough season for me. I knew Jesus, but adulting was hitting hard. And I had a lot of anxiety, and anxiety that was manifesting itself physically. My mom had cancer. I didn't really know how to deal with that. Things weren't going well for her. I was trying to make sense of my family of origin issues while trying to be free of their influences and their choices that had influenced me so I could figure out who I was and what I was supposed to do with my life. I wanted to hear from God, but I just felt so alone and sad and helpless. And on the last day of cleaning, not because I got fired... So I was going to school away from where I lived. The couple gave me a picture as a gift, and it was one of those those things that's in my office. I meant to bring it, but I didn't. It's one of those things, you know, that are looks like this. I don't know what those are called. One side was a picture of Half Dome that they had taken on a trip to Yosemite, and the other one was Isaiah forty-one ten. And I'd never heard that verse before in my life. But God used these words originally spoken to people far from home to give me fresh hope. See, the power of these verses is God speaking directly to the people. Judah, don't fear. Colleen, don't be afraid. I am your God. I know everything that you're experiencing, and I love you. And I want to give you strength and help you in a sure way to help you through this rough time. And not only am I with you, but I'm going to make it possible for you not to fail if you trust me. Now, I knew that these words were for me because of Jesus. He had already invited me to follow him. And I just felt so deeply his presence with me and had shown up in ways that were only, could only be him. And it wasn't like I forgot. It was just that the pieces of my life and the situation that was happening was so overwhelming And it didn't occur to me until later that the picture of Half Dome was meant to go with the scripture, hello, (laughs) (laughs) to indicate an overwhelming situation. And I thought, yes, Lord, that is me, climbing this big rock. I don't even know how to do that. And being certain that I was going to fall at any time. And all I could think about was how far off the summit must be, because I couldn't even see it, and letting go was not an option. Now, let's be clear. I was not in exile like the people in the Bible. That was the intended audience, and I'm not saying that. But I was stuck in a life transition where I was not going to be possible to get myself out from where I was. And as our friend Russell Smelly tells us, suffering is not a competition. It is very real for the person who is going through it. And sometimes we downplay our situation and our sufferings because it's not as dire as someone else we know or someone else we know who is happening, something as bad as happening to them around the world. But that attitude can keep us from knowing God and knowing what God has and keep us holding on by our fingertips. Because we think that he might not care if we're not in an extreme situation as someone else. Communion is remembering the extreme situation on the cross. In Isaiah, the Messiah is called the man of sorrows. We give Jesus our sorrows and our fears. Jesus, who feels our sorrows with us, who takes our sorrows on his own body and meets us in that. And in the exchange, Jesus welcomes our pain and then offers us a way to overcome it. And every time we participate in the Lord's Supper, we are grateful for the promises God made to us. Jesus, who sits at the right hand of God, is victorious. Victorious over whatever it is that you are going through, whatever it is that you have brought into the sanctuary today. And this morning we are invited to claim the promise that was first made in Isaiah because this is a summons. It's a summons that we would bring God our fears and our dread and our dismay to the altar, that we would lay it down, that we would leave it with the one who wants to trade it for strength and help and abiding presence as well as the chance to be lifted up by the strong and righteous arm of the Lord. So confess, confess whatever power you have been leaning on for courage. Acknowledge that it cannot help you or meet you in your deepest need like Jesus can. We are not meant to struggle alone. We are meant to put our lives in God's hands who will save us every time. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about the Free Methodist Church of Santa Barbara, you can visit us online at fmcsb.org. We pray this message has been a blessing to you.